<laughs> I think, I think per square, per, per five seats, this is the loudest campus in all the Rock Church. Amen. Amen. I, I, I know the other campuses don't like that. But anyway, we, we're here in San Ysidro. We are with our church in San Ysidro down here by the border. We got people from all over the South Bay area, and they are hyped, and we are ready to get into the Word of God. Amen? Amen. It is so good to be down here finally. So good. good to, all the great things we hear from the, about this church down here and Pastor Travis and the leadership team. And we want to say thank you on behalf of all the other campuses. We want to say thank you to you guys and Vanessa and for the baby coming with a little baby girl. Can't show you the bump, but it's, it's a bump. It's a bump. It's a bump. Look, we get on our knees? Let's get on our knees. Let's get on our knees. Man, y'all got a soft stage up here. I got I to gotta kneel on concrete up in Point Loma. This is nice and soft. <laughs> Lord, thank you so much for your church. Thank you so much for uh, this campus down here in the South Bay. Thank you for all the people down here that are volunteering and putting in hard, long hours to bring the gospel to this part of San Diego and Mexico. And we thank you for our church countywide and all the campuses that are listening right now. Uh, thank you for the commitment all the volunteers make in all our campuses all around San Diego, all the people who are praying, sacrificing, giving. And we thank you for uh, this all in initiative and uniting us around one cause and we pray you would continue to unite us, continue to draw us closer together, continue to give us laser focus about how to minister to San Diego. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Get up and give someone a big high five, big hug. Amen. Amen. If you just walked in one of our campuses, I'm in the San Ysidro campus. These people are hyped out. Can't, can't take it. <laughs> and we told them to be quiet. That's, how, that's quiet. <laughs> Amen. That's what I'm talking about, hype. Let's, let's all see our Bibles on three. Say word. One, two, three. Say word. Very good. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. Everyone say all in. All in. Very good. Genesis chapter 16. Recently, my, my wife and I, we celebrated our 31st uh, anniversary, 30, 31 years of being married. A couple months ago, and we flew to Northern California, had to drive an hour and a half to our hotel uh, and so when, they, when we were at the airport, they said, do you want to take uh, the scenic route or do you want to take the shortcut? And we said, well, we, we, you know, we're not in a hurry. Let's, let's give, us, give us something pretty to look at, get us, in, get us in the mood. We don't want to be in traffic and see all the nastiness. We want to see some nice, nice. So they gave us a scenic route. And whenever you go on a journey, you have an option of taking the long route or the shortcut. Everyone say shortcut. But there's also another option. It's God's route. And whenever you go on a journey, there is always a temptation to take the shortcut, which, is, which cuts out a lot of drama, so you think. You can get there quicker, so you think. And we, st we started this series called All In three weeks ago, week four of All In. And we've been looking at the life of Abraham. 
and how Abraham's life is a model of being all in. And today we're going to look at how Abraham was tempted to take a shortcut. It's very important to understand that when you're walking with God and following God's path and trying to fulfill God's plan in your life, God is not so much interested in getting you to the end. He's more interested in the process. Because what happens is in the process, in the journey from going from A to B. By the way, A is from the minute you're born and, 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 the, and the destination is when you go to heaven. That process is really what God is, is most interested in instead of getting you somewhere quick. Because no matter where you go tomorrow with God, he has something more to teach you the next day. And so when you're in a journey with God, a lot of times in the world, we want to get someplace quick, we want to get it over with, we want to take a shortcut, you know, do it the most efficient way. And God is like, look, I'm all about the process. I don't want you to think about shortcuts. So when I ask you to do something, when I ask you to be something, when I ask you to think about giving or being committed to prayer or serving, I want you to be into the process. And I want you to just be patient and walk with me for the rest of your life. It's a walk. It's not a sprint. It's more than a marathon. And don't think about how can I make it go quick. Make it last. I don't want to die until I'm 120 years old. That's, that's my preliminary goal. You know, some people say, I wish the Lord would come back today. wish the Lord would come back today. I don't want the Lord to come back today because if the Lord came back today, there are a lot of people who would go to hell tomorrow. I want to live as long as I can to get as many people saved because it's going to take time. And so when we walk with God, instead of trying to think a shortcut, let's think of the journey and the process and what can God teach me through the process. Now, we looked at Abraham. First week, we looked at Abraham being all in. God gave Abraham an all in challenge to leave a legacy. I'm going to say legacy. We saw that three weeks ago where God said, if you trust me and leave everything you know about your life and go to a place I will show you, I will make you a great nation and I will bless the whole world through you. You're going to have a son named Isaac. I'm going to have a son named Jacob. Jacob's name is going to be turned to Israel. Israel is going to become a nation. And through Israel is going to come Jesus. And through Jesus is going to come salvation for the world. Now, he didn't tell him all that, but that's what he was saying. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to leave a legacy. Say legacy. God has given us an opportunity to leave a legacy that one day we're all going to be gone. And we want the Rock Church to still be leading people to the Lord in San Diego. So when we're all, all of us are dead. Matter of fact, we, when we bought our building, we built our building in Point Loma, we wrote on the wall, uh, uh, we signed our names. And I remember signing on a brick, uh, I'll paraphrase, uh, whoever doesn't, whoever takes this building over, may God bless you to, to preach the gospel. Don't ever let this building be used for nothing other than preaching the gospel. And so God says, I'm going to give you an opportunity to leave a legacy. Every single one of us have an opportunity as we walk with God to leave a legacy that when you die, your commitment to God will continue to impact people after you're dead. And then we looked at week two, Abraham had an all-in commitment. His all-in commitment required him to trust God. Him and his nephew Lot were together. They had to split ways because they had too many herdsmen and too many sheep and too many camels. And he said, Lot, you can pick whatever land you want first, and I'll trust that whatever's left is what God has for me. If you're going to fulfill your all-in commitment, you're going to have to trust God. It's not going to be something you're going to know all the answers. God's going to call you to make a commitment, and you're going to have to trust him. You're going to have to trust him. The Bible says the just shall walk by faith. If you're one of those people that have to know everything, you and God are going to have problems. I shouldn't say you and God because God don't have a problem. <laughs> but my point is that God is always going to challenge us to do stuff 
to take steps of faith, to make commitments without knowing all the information. That's called faith. And any of you who have been in love, which is 100% of y'all, that was a step of faith. Remember the first time you told that person you loved them? And you were just hoping they say it back? <laughs> can, I get any, can I get someone to say amen? amen. You were like, uh, uh, I, I, I love you. Here's what love does. Love takes your heart. This is what love is. You take your heart and you give it to somebody by faith, trusting they won't break it. We, God created us to be creatures of faith, to trust. So in, in week two, we saw Abraham to be all in. He had to trust God. Week three, last week, we saw Abraham was a man of honor. Abraham honored God by making his entire army. He had a personal army of 318 people. He made his entire army available to God to save his nephew Lot. When we talk about making a commitment, we're not talking about giving everything to God. We're just talking about honoring God with everything. That your car, honor God with your car. Your money, honor God with your money. Your body, honor God with your body. It doesn't mean you have to put it in the plate to give it to the church. God, you're saying to God is God, whatever you want, it's yours. Not that this is yours and this is mine. It's all yours. And so however you want to use it. When my wife and I bought our first house, we just bought the house. We, we were newly saved uh, and newly married. Uh, but we bought this house, and all of a sudden, these kids in my neighborhood started getting saved. These Filipino kids in my neighborhood started getting saved. And I was like, let's start a Bible study in the house. God's like, it's not your house. It's mine. So open up the house. So we had all these. We had nine nationalities coming in the house. For real. We had Puerto Rican, Mexican, Filipino, Japanese, Chinese, and then people who was mixed up with all that stuff in our house. I, I didn't know what they were. They were just in the house. <laughs> and, and, and we had a rule in our house. So you have to take your shoes off. We, we don't wear our shoes in the house. We've been doing that for uh, ever since we, man, back 30 years. So you come in the house, you got to take your shoes off. So these kids' feet were funky. Because high school kids are nasty, okay? Especially the dudes come in. We had a pile of shoes, and that whole living room was just funky. But it wasn't our house. We said, God, we're going to honor you. And some of those kids, we still know and are still walking with God 30 years later. Amen? Amen. So, so now we're looking at Abraham. Amen. Amen. In this, in this story we're going to look at today in Genesis chapter 16, we're going to look at a story where Abraham was tempted, to, and he did, take a shortcut. And a lot of times we think shortcuts are good. They're never good with God. And what I mean by that, you never want to cut short God's path. Now, if God wants to take a shortcut, that's up to him. But if God tells you to do something, if God tells you to stay committed, if God tells you to take a path, your job is just to do what God says no matter what you think. Now, in the process, God may say, go right, oh, good. He may say, go left, oh, good. But unless he says that, you do what he says. And if you think, oh, it would be quick if I did that, uh-uh. So here in this story, <laughs> this is actually one of the funniest stories in the Bible to me, well, at least the way I think it went down, it was funny. Abraham was like 80-something. His wife is 70-something. And God told Abraham, through you is going to come this great nation. That means you've got to have a kid. His wife, who's 70-something years old, she's never had a kid. She can't have babies, but she has a maid. So his wife says, Abraham, <laughs> you know, just stuff ain't working out anymore. And, and you're old. And you're, I'm old. And we got to have a son. So why don't, you, why don't you go into my maid and have a baby? That's what she said. We're going to read it. And Abraham went, okay. <laughs> 
I wasn't there. But I'm thinking to brother like, he said, let me pray about it. Okay. <laughs> that was a shortcut. It wasn't what God wanted, though. You always think, I know better. No, you don't. God is going to call you to do something, and you're going to go, man, God, I don't know about that. Just trust him. God's going to call some of you to give your life to him. He says, I want you to give your life to me. I want you to surrender your heart. You're thinking, man, I don't want to do that because, you know, I might have to give this up. or I have to give. Just trust him. What about this? Just trust him. Same thing. So let's read. Chapter 16, verse 1. Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So, so Sarah said to, Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. Wow. Abraham said, okay. <laughs> he heeded the voice. He listened to his wife. <laughs> he did what she said. So Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And after Abraham dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan, so he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Basically, you got all, oh, look at me, I got a baby, you don't. Mm-hmm. And Sarai said to Abram, my wrong be upon you. She blamed him, just like a woman. <laughs> that was her idea. Can I get, ladies, can I get Amen. She should have never done it. Now she's like, oh, that's your fault. That's your fault. That's your fault. She, Sarah said, Sarah said to Abram, my wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace. And when she saw that she conceived, I became despised in her own eyes. Well, didn't you think that was going to happen? The Lord judged between you and me. Mm, mm, mm. Number one in your notes. Mm, mm, mm. Whenever, you, whenever you take a shortcut, you are telling God, I don't trust you. Whenever you take a shortcut, you are telling God, I don't trust you. So I have to take matters into my own hands. So the question you have to ask yourself is, what part of God's promises don't you trust? When God says, I want you to give your life to me and walk with me, whenever you say, eh, there's something you don't trust, what is it? Ask yourself, has God ever been uh, unfaithful to you? Has God ever been late? He's not on your timetable, but your timetable ain't the timetable. You know, there's, th there's three kind of calendars. There's a Gregorian calendar, which is based on the sun. That's the calendar we use. There's a lunar calendar based on the moon. Uh, Islam uses that, that, that calendar. And then there's a biblical calendar, Bible Old Testament calendar, based on the sun and the moon. Three different calendars. Which one's right? Of course, God's calendar. God said in Genesis, he put the sun in the sky, the moon and the stars for seasons and signs. He put that up there, both of them together. My point is that you think you got the right time and then you got the right time in your head. God says, listen, I want you to just trust me. And when I tell you to do something and I tell you how long it's going to take and I tell you the path it wants to take and I tell you how to do it, you have to trust me. And when you don't trust me, you're going to take matters into your own hands and do something different. Here's Abraham. Abraham, he's, he, God told me he's going to have a baby. He's 80-something years old. And he's in his mind going, I'm 80-something years old. Sarah's all, she's 70-something years old. <laughs> and they both go, you know what? 
this is not going to work out. And God said, who said? Nothing's impossible with God. How many of y'all would like to see God do something impossible in your life? Say amen. amen. Don't take a shortcut. If God told you to give your life to him, that he would give you uh, uh, forgive your sin, he would give you freedom, he would give you joy and peace and patience and purpose and clarity, trust him. Don't think, well, I'll pray, but I'm still going to do this. No, you pray, you surrender, and you let him lead you. All y'all who are saved, God is, he, he has called you to, to think about prayer disciplines, Bible discipline, reading disciplines, ministries to get into, and you always seem to talk yourself out of it and take another path to fulfill what God's called in your life. And God said, I told you to do that. Well, I don't see anybody else doing that. Just do what I said. And so, Abraham, you got to think about when you, when you take a shortcut, what, what am I not trusting as God? Is God not faithful? Ask yourself that question. Is God not able? Ask yourself that question. Does God not love me? Ask yourself that question. And you will be, no, no, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. So you have no reason to take a shortcut. You have no reason not to be committed to what he has called you to do. Number two in your notes, that you can spiritually invest in the lack of trust in God's promises by doing what? For you to be committed to God means you have to surrender something else. Let me say it another way. God is calling some of you in this all-in campaign to commit, to make a two-year commitment to something. And for you to commit to what God may be telling you to do, whether it be in your finances or whether it be in a ministry commitment, it's going to cause you to say no to something else. In other words, how can I be, you have to think, how can I, if I don't trust God, how can I be more committed to trusting God? What do I got to give up something else? If I'm not trusting God, I'm trusting something else. You got to give up your trust in something else. You have an idol somewhere. Your idol may be in your ideas. Your idol may be in, 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 in your, your, your savings. Your idol may be in your house, your things. You have to say, listen, if God's calling you to do something, the only way I can be more invested in what God's calling me to do is to be less invested in something else. So you have to ask yourself as you're going through this, this series and as you're going through thinking about your commitment, as you're going through thinking about what God wants you to do with your life, you can't hold, have two masters and say, I'm going to trust God and trust this. If God is saying, I want all of you, identify something that you have to let go of. Because you may not be consciously thinking, I'm holding on to something. But you probably are. It may be an idea of what kind of life you have. It may be an idea of who you think you are. I remember when I first, first accepted the Lord when I was 19 years old, I was so scared that the people who led me to the Lord were going to tell me I couldn't play football because that was everything to me. And I remember being on a train, going in Long Island, New York, going to the city where these hippies lived because two hippies shared the gospel with me for the first time ever. And I started, not started, I hung out with them like twice, but we had, I had to take a train to the apartment. And we were on the train. I was like just dreading asking this question. Am I going to have to quit football? I was dread. I just couldn't get out because I didn't want them to say yes. I thought I had to be some hippie like them and walk around and ah, da, 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 da. and I was like, <laughs> dude, I was scared. And I remember being on the train. You know, these are, these are Charles Manson looking dudes. I'm 19. I got a big afro. We were like, we did not fit, right? And I'm like, dude, I I, I don't have to be like y'all. Do, do I have to quit football? Because I was holding on to that. And you know, you know what they said? Nah. But really, what God said? Not yet. 
Not yet. <laughs> he says, but that day's going to come. And I remember that day came. I was 25 years old. I was kneeling right behind Qualcomm Stadium at practice in the mud. We were losing. We had a bad season. Practice was going bad. I was not having fun. I was hurt. And I was like, I'm 25 years old, still kneeling in the mud. What am I doing out here? Now, let me tell you something. To be 25 kneeling in the mud in a football uniform is honorable to me. What a great job to have. But God said, not for you anymore. You're done. I didn't want to do it. God did that. But I was available. I said, God, what do you want? I want to do whatever you want. And God just started taking it away. So you have to ask God, God, is there something I need to let go of? As you think of your commitment, you got to think of your life. Are you committed to shopping? <laughs> Some of y'all are like, you have to shop. That's definitely not me. That's not my, that's not my issue. But some of y'all are like, your identity is the mall. And you got to say, God, and God may say, no, you can't go to the mall three times a week. <gasps> some of your, some of your, or your things, your savings, your retirement, I got to put this much money away. No, you have to trust God. You have to trust God. Some of you use your time. I have to have my time with home. I got to have my, and God says, no, no, I want you to trust me. I want you to give up time and serve me. You can't be committed to God and be committed to something else. You can't have two masters. And so one of the ways you can invest in where you lack your trust is to let something go and say, God, I'm going all in. And here's the great thing about God, the amazing thing about God. And this, this is like your money back guarantee. And it's not, it doesn't even necessarily involve money. If you say, Lord, I'm throwing my whole life into serving you in here. I'm throwing my whole life into committing to reading the Bible every day. I'm throwing my whole life into prayer. I'm going to really make a two-year two commitment uh, and, and pledge. And, and, and I'm going to do it. And all you have to do, trust me, I'm going to get my pen out. You can say this to God and call God out. Let me get my pen. It's somewhere in here. Say, God, every day. I'm going to have my pen in my hand, and every morning I'm going to get this pen out, and I'm going to write down what you did. I trust you, and trust me. He will do stuff in your life, and, and, and you just be patient. He will start to show you stuff in your life he's doing, and you won't be able to stop writing. You won't even be able to explain it. The Bible says you're faithful. He will open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing you can't handle. He will pour out blessings. If he doesn't do that, he's not God. He's not true. He's a liar because that's what the Bible says. And let me tell you something. He will bless you. But you got to be all in. But if you're like, well, you know, I'm going to give a little bit. God says, no, I don't want a relationship like that. I was talking to this little uh, gang member one day in El Cajon 20-something years ago, 30, I don't know, a long time ago, 30 years ago. I was witnessing to him. And I said, you got to give your life to Jesus. He's like, I don't want to give my life to Jesus, man. Maybe, you know. and, and I said, okay, let me, let me draw you a little stick figure. I drew a little stick figure of him. Then I drew a little stick figure of his girlfriend. I called her Lucy. And I said, uh, uh, if Lucy, you know, I asked him to have a girlfriend. And he said, yes. I can't remember what her real name was, but just for now, her name was Lucy. I said, if Lucy says she wanted to date you and she's going to be with you five days a week, and she's going to be, he was a Mexican kid, she's going to be with another Mexican dude, uh, two days a week, would that be okay with you? You got a two and a half times the other dude, right? Two and a half, is that correct? I, I know it's correct. I'm not asking, I'm telling you, because I know it. 
That's like, that's like, that's like kindergarten math, okay? <laughs> I know some of y'all, two and a half times two, carry the four. How you get five from that? I said, yeah, I have my brain. <laughs> he, he said, no, 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 I don't want her to be with, with that dude for two days. I want her seven days. I said, holla, 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 holla. You got her two days, you got her five days. And I'll put the weekend, you got her the weekend. He gets Tuesday and Wednesday. Ain't nothing happening on Tuesday and Wednesday. You got her five days. He goes, I want it every day. I said, well, God wants you every day. God don't want, if you, if you don't want to have that relationship with Lucy and, and, and you think you deserve better than five days, certainly God deserves more than that from you. That's commitment. Look at number three in your notes. If you can make a financial commitment to a cell phone bill, <laughs> a mortgage, car payment, why can't you make a financial commitment to God? Well, I don't know what's going to happen. Hey, you, when you buy a house, I, so many people are so excited. I can't wait to buy my first house. You know what that's equivalent of saying? I can't wait to make a 30-year commitment <laughs> to pay a bill I can't afford. That's the equivalent. How many of y'all got a cell phone? You pay that bill, they cut you off. How many of y'all don't have a cell phone? What y'all got? What y'all got? <laughs> How many of y'all got a cell phone? Raise your hand real high. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, some of y'all ain't paying that bill. Your parents are paying. That's what it is. <laughs> I ain't got no bill. You know, we say, we say God, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. That's with everything. If you can't make a long-term, if you can make a long-term commitment to all these things in the world, why can't we make a long-term commitment to God. You'll ask a girl out in a minute. Yo, can I go out with you? Yo, be my girlfriend. I don't know what you, how, y'all, how they say it uh, these days. <laughs> we, we were kids. Like, Yo, will you go with me? <laughs> Matter of fact, where, where I live, we live, there was a road. Uh, my neighborhood was on, on the one side of this road called Ocean Avenue. On my side, it was all, all the brown people lived. And on the other side was 100% white. And you couldn't live over there if you were not white. But they could live in our neighborhood. It was, that's just the way it was. And what we would say is, can we, will you go with me? They would say, will you go out with me? That's how you ask somebody out. You go out with her. You going out with her? We go out where? We would say, well, go with me. Y'all just say, come here. That's what y'all say now. <laughs> Give me your number. <laughs> You would say that in a minute to a girl. If the girl's cute, she said, I'll go with you in a day. You're already committed. Yet with God, you got to do all this background research on God. You got to ask all these people. You sit around for years crying the blues, ruining your life, and God's saying, I want to commit with you, and you won't do it. But yet you can make a commitment to the, to the mortgage people. You can make a commitment to some girl, some guy you just met, make a commitment to the cell phone company. And God's saying, I want, I deserve that commitment more than anybody, when you make a commitment to God, say, God, I'm going to make the commitment. I'm going to keep the commitment. I'm not going to lose faith in the path you have chosen. I'm not going to lose faith in the commitment you called me to make. And I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to take my life back into my own power and do what I want. In a couple of weeks, you're going, to, you're going to have a challenge to do that financially. But right now, I want to challenge you to do that spiritually, that some of y'all are far from God and God's been calling you, calling you into a relationship with him. And you keep saying, eh, not yet, not yet, because you, you, don't, you don't trust him. You're trusting in something else. 
You don't think that God is going to deliver what your soul really needs when, it, I, when in fact God is the one who created your soul and the void and the lack of your relationship with God is what's creating the pain in your soul. Only God can fulfill that void in your soul. And so God has asked you, yes, I want you to commit to me and I don't want you to try to fill that void your way, taking all these other shortcuts that don't ever work. Because just as I said, if you, if you trust God, you can write down what he does. I bet you if you don't trust God, you can write down what pain does. Write down what the devil does in your life. Look at all the disappointments you've had, all the heartache you've had, all the financial bad deals you had, all the times you got stabbed in the back, all the self-destructive thoughts you've had by doing it your way instead of doing it God's way. So in a minute, you're going to have an opportunity to say, God, I want to commit today my life to you. I'm done doing, taking all these shortcuts. I'm done doing it my way. I'm done, done thinking, well, I got a better idea. Like Sarah had a better idea. And by the way, did you notice that once the idea happened, she didn't like the idea. She's all, go, go, go sleep with my maid. The girl gets pregnant. Oh, it's on your fault. I'm God, God's going to get you. You're the one who had the idea. Yeah, our ideas are never better than God's ideas. If you could look back on your life and all the great ideas you had that blew up, boom, 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 boom. Some of y'all married that bad idea. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something. You don't want to do, you don't want to do that without God. You don't want to do life without God. You got to say, Lord, I want to make sure I make the right decision and I'm going to commit to you and I'm going to follow you. I'm not going to deviate from your plan. So in a minute, we're going to pray. And your opportunity today is to say, yes, Lord, I want to follow your plan. Some of you have already made a commitment to God and you've taken the shortcut. You want to get back on the road. We're going to talk to you. We're we're challenging you as well today to say, God, I want to get back on the road. When I asked Christ to be my Savior with the hippies, it wasn't until five years later because I took a shortcut. It ended up being a long way around for five years. And it was five years later, I said, I want to get back and be committed to what I originally signed up for. And so that, that may be you today. You may be saying, I've been on the shortcut that's been taking a long cut. The shortcut ended up being a long cut. And I want to get back on the main road today. So I want to ask all of you to bow your heads and close your eyes on all the campuses, online, all the microsites. I just want you to listen very carefully. God deserves all of us to be all in. He deserves all of us to be 100% committed to him. But we always come up with a better idea of doing life with him. We have our own plan B. Maybe we could try this. And it always blows up in our face like this blew up in Sarah's face. And today you realize, you know what, I need to get back to the original commitment or I need to make that commitment for the first time. So whether you want to make that commitment to God for the first time to give your life to him and commit to a lifelong relationship or you've made that commitment and it's time for you to renew and say, Lord, I need to get back and get off my shortcut and get back on the right path the path that you originally called me to walk, the path that I originally committed to walk, I want to recommit my life to you. And I want to recommit 
all of myself to you. And I want to let go of everything else I've been trusting in and just trust in you. So whether you want to recommit your life to the Lord or whether you want to give your life to Christ for the first time, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Then I'm going to ask you to stand. Yes, I'm going to ask you to stand. Because if you're all in with God, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. So right now, in the privacy of your heart, if you're saying, you know what? I want to get rid of all the shortcuts in my life, all the compromises, all my great ideas. And I want to commit to God right now my whole heart. So in the privacy of your heart, if that's you, just pray with me. In the privacy of your heart, you don't need to pray out loud right now. Just pray, dear God, I surrender my life to you. I surrender all of my heart to you. I invite the Spirit of God into my heart. I invite the power of God in my life. Jesus, I surrender. Forgive me and restore me to a right relationship with you. Establish a powerful relationship with you. I am all in. I am all yours. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer, whatever campus you're in, in a minute I'm going to ask you to stand up. And I'm going to tell you, when you stand there, people at your campus who are going to pray with you, you will not be alone. You won't be alone. There will be pastors there. There'll be other people standing with you. But more importantly, the Lord will be honored in your life. So I'm going to count to three. If you pray that prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand. And by standing, you are making a public declaration, I am all in with God. No matter what you did last week, no matter what you did two years ago, you're making a declaration today, I'm all in with God. So eyes closed, heads bowed. I'm going to count to three. If you prayed that prayer, I just want you to stand up. And if you prayed it, I want you to get your legs ready. Prepare yourself to stand. One, two, three. Just stand to your feet. God bless you. God bless you. We see you. Stand to your feet. Go ahead. God bless you. We see you. God bless you. God bless you.